Welcome to the XP Hero Radio Show. I'm your host, Eddie. Welcome back. Uh, this is part two of my interview with Josh Reich, the pastor of Revolution Church in Tucson, Arizona, and author of Breathing Room. If you uh, haven't listened to the first part, you should definitely go back and check this out. Uh, it's been worth the time so far. So glad you guys are joining us again. Check that out. Um, my uh, initial uh, intro on the last podcast was to kind of give you a few of these uh, statistics on burnout. And uh, since we're kind of getting into the portion of the show where we're talking about uh, pastors, ministry leaders in, in, in particular, I thought, why not give you uh, a few of these statistics that I found on pastors and burnout? So here's a couple. 45% of pastors say that they've experienced depression or burnout to the extent that they needed to take a leave of absence from ministry. Honestly, when I read that, I, I felt like that was low. <laughs> I know lots of pastors that I felt like leave of absences are necessary, not just because they're they're pacing themselves in ministry, but because they've already overdone it and they're they're burnt out. Fifty um, percent of pastors say they feel unable to meet the needs of their job and it's causing them stress. Forty five percent of pastors say that they've experienced depression or burnout to the extent that uh, they're suffering uh, significant health issues as a result. I'm just reading here, 45% of pastors' wives say that the greatest danger to them and their family is physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual burnout. Now, if you're here and you're listening to this and your wife is one of these, you've got to address that issue. She's not wrong. She's not overthinking it. She, you need to address it. It's a big issue. And this applies for not just pastors, but for, for leaders, CEOs as well. This is a big issue. Now, we also, me and Josh, we get into a, a conversation about friendships and community. Here, here's a statistic on that. 70% of ministry leaders, pastors in particular, don't have any close friends. 56% of pastors' wives say they have no close friends. So, big issues there. And I thought this one was just interesting, unrelated to the last two. 57% of pastors would leave the pastorate if they had somewhere else to go or some other vocation they could do. Wow. So, listen, this is a, a, a profession, a pastoring leader leadership. It's under attack. It's under attack by, by ourselves and by the world and by all of the, all of the elements that are, at, that are at risk here. This is a big issue. And I'm thankful for Josh's input on this because he's got such a unique perspective being someone who was 300 pounds, lost the weight, um, and is now coaching potential leaders in their fields as to how to deal with some of these issues. So without further delay, here's our second part with Josh Reich. Again, Josh, thanks for joining us. Here we go. Man, the expectations on people, right? I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's massive. You see, and I think technology obviously has a lot to do with it. You're able to kind of become like a YouTube star, or you yeah. know, you know, you've got your you cut up your sermons on YouTube and and Vimeo and Instagram, yeah. and it kind you can kind of grow some sort of massive following at a young age. And so it's kind of it's throwing pastors for a loop to to who are forgetting. Um, you know, that, that it's a long drawn out journey about sustaining yourself. And at the end of the day, I mean, we're, we're seeing it left and right that yeah. you can't keep this breakneck pace. Pastors are burning out. They are frying themselves, but you know, I, I want to connect this real quick. I want to connect, you know, obviously we, we touched on the duality. We've got the, you know, the spiritual here, and then we've got the, the kind of physical body here, but 
um, let's connect it a little bit in the way you've been talking to, to people and, and some mm-hmm. of the wisdom you might have. And I'll, I'll read you this quote. So in, in case that my word, which it's not good enough for people listening and, and your word, it's not good enough. They want, maybe there's pastors or leaders who want to hear from someone a little bit more wise. Sure. Uh, Martin Lloyd Jones on the physical versus the spiritual says, uh, says this, does someone hold the view that as long as you are a Christian, it does not matter what the condition of your body is. Well, you will soon be disillusioned if you believe that. There are some in whose cases it's clear to me that the cause of their depression and anxiety is mainly physical. On the other hand, people who are more physically weak are more prone to attacks and spiritual discouragement and depression. But if you recognize that the physical may be part, at least partly responsible for the spiritual condition and make allowances for this, you'll be better able to deal with the spiritual issues. And so I want you to comment on that. How much of a factor is the way we eat, the way we work out, the way we take care of our bodies and the pace we go at, how much of a factor is that on the actual, some of the spiritual things that are happening to us, burnout, anxiety, depression? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, there's a huge connection to those. I mean, because, um, I mean, even just getting outside as a leader, Hmm. you know, just getting outside to take a walk, you know, to, to just clear your head and. Um, because something happens to all of us, for example, like when we're outside doing something active, you know, mm. something happens, you know, you know, and I mean, if you talk to a doctor, they'll, they'll tell you about all the, you know, uh, everything that happens in your body when, when you exercise and just all the benefits of that right. and just, um, and, and how that helps you to sleep and how that helps you to burn calories and how that, you know, makes you want to eat the right food and, and those kinds of things. But but there is a direct connection between those things. I mean, when we come back from a vacation, I mean, we, we feel good, you know, we feel, we feel rested. And, Mm -hmm. and if you do vacations correctly, even with young kids, you can feel those things. Um, but I I think for sure there, there's a connection because, um, I I think Martin Lloyd-Jones is right. You know, that there's a connection to when, uh, because I know for me, when I was overweight, I struggled a lot with just depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. um, and it becomes this cycle then. It becomes yeah. a cycle that it's hard to break out of. You know, right. you're anxious, so you eat more. You know, you, you're anxious, and so, you know, you just – you have that dessert, and, and it makes you feel a little bit better at the end of the day. Um, you're tired, and so you drink more caffeine, and you have more soda, and um, you, you put more sugar into your diet, and <laughs> – um, and you just do those things and it, be- and it becomes this cycle, um, that's incredibly difficult to break out of, mm-hmm. um, especially if, cause one of the things that I talk with, um, with, with people a lot about, cause they'll say, well, what was the key to, to losing your weight? And I said, it was when I began to understand the connection of the spiritual and the physical. And mm-hmm. I began to look at, um, really what I thought food was doing for me and then look inside of my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can, um, you know, I have lots of friends, you've probably seen lots of people, you know, they lose a hundred pounds and they put 120 back on yep. and they're, they're just in this cycle because they haven't dealt with the root issues in their heart, um, that has led them to see food as an addiction, food as a safety net. Um, and, and so that's the first thing I always tell people, you have to figure out what is making you turn to food. Um, what's the heart issues that, that you're running from? Yeah. 
That's, that's, that's huge, man. I, I, the idea is just, I know it, it might seem a little nebulous to some people, but it, you know, if we, it, especially in, in the in ministry, pastors are already in that world. We need to begin to explore this a little bit more. Um, and we all have got these blind spots that we, we've got to be more careful with. And I think this is in America, this has got to be one of the biggest vices and, you know, gluttony obviously being a sin and it being almost yeah. a, an acceptable ministry sin, yeah. uh, in some circles. So real bizarre in, in yeah. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I get all kinds of emails from pastors. I'm doing a coaching cohort right now for church planters of churches under 200. Mm. And I asked them, they all filled out a form to say, you know, what do you want to learn? What can I teach you in the next year? What would be the most benefit to you? Every single one of them said ways to get healthy. (laughs) Uh, What? So we're all dying. Okay. We're all dying from this. We all looking around, but at the end of the day, when we go to dinner with, you know, maybe the Acts 29 folks are in town and we, instead of having a salad, which we could easily do, or maybe have a nice lean cut of meat or whatever it is, We've yeah. got to go for the nachos. We've got to go for yeah. the beer. We've got to go for the soda. We've we've got to do those things because you know, well, it's you know, we're being you know we're being hospitable, yeah. and so now, now we're <laughs> now we're manipulating some of these yeah. things so we can eat what we want. But if we get to the root of it, perhaps there's actually an eating addiction or a behavioral yeah. addiction that's taking place. Yeah. Well, and just practically, I mean, so some of the things that I always tell people, you know, I never go out to eat without knowing what I'm going to eat before I get there. That's good. So every time I go to a restaurant, because they never, the things that are good for me, they never have a picture of those in the menu. And so, you know, never go to a meeting without knowing what you're going to have to eat. You know, if you're traveling, like I travel to speak a lot of times, Mm -hmm. I always have snacks with me. I always have good snacks with me because when you get to a conference, they don't have good snacks for you. Like they have tasty (laughs) snacks. There's not good for you. Right. Um, You know, thinking through some of those things. It was interesting too. Tom Rath in his book, um, Eat, Move, Sleep talked Mm about, um, when you, when you order at a restaurant, you want to order first because the first person at the table sets the tone for the entire table. So if the first person orders an appetizer, everyone else goes, oh, we're waiting to order our meal. Okay, well, I'll order an appetizer too. And, or when they come around and say, hey, does anyone want dessert? You know, yeah. the first person, yeah, I'll, I'll have dessert because this is the conversation. Well, who, who else wants dessert? Who else, you know, we all look around. And, um, and it was funny because I think it was – uh, it was a sportscaster who said, I was listening to a sports radio, and he goes, have you ever had dessert at a restaurant and felt good about yourself when you were done? <laughs> he was like, no, you don't. Like, no one ever feels good about themselves uh, after that, like, you know, chocolate wall of cake or whatever, you know, you get. Oh, god! And so, you know, so just thinking through some of those things, you know, that you can, um, you know, and it was interesting, too, when I was losing weight that, um, you know, salads aren't always the best thing on a restaurant menu for right. you. Um, and you know, there's like, there's salads at Chili's that have 15, 1600 calories in them. And I was blown away by that. I thought, Oh, salads are the best thing for you. And, uh, and they're not always. And so just learning some of those things that, um, you know, just asking people, you know, doing some research. I mean, the, the trouble is there's just a bazillion things on the internet about food and what to eat. Um, but when you just start to break down some of those things, you think, you know what, I can always go out to eat and know what I'm going to get before I get there. I won't even open the menu. I know exactly what I'm going to eat. Um, so I'm not tempted to get something else. That's just a simple thing to do. Um, that's something you can do everywhere. So you good. Can. So such good advice. And so, so, so down to earth for people to grasp. 
I would say, especially for leaders, leaders are typically readers. They love to read. They love to understand. You know, you wouldn't be in a race car in NASCAR and not understand the car and what's needed for the car. You wouldn't yeah. run a marathon without understanding what, what type of fuel you'll need to, to, to be successful at that. So do your, do your research and learn the basics of nutrition. Don't rely on, you know, Jillian Michaels, no offense to her, but don't rely on, you know, the biggest loser for your yeah. <laughs> eating advice because it's sensationalized. And, and, and I would even say don't rely on, you know, Chili's, you know, menu to give you the best advice. Do your research and understand yeah. what your body needs to perform yeah. well because if you want to be successful, you've got to do that. So, yeah, man, yeah. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to come back to that and give you, ask right. you for some more, a few more practical pieces of advice. Yeah. But um, I wanted to touch on this real quick because quick, I think I see this a lot, uh, you know, in, especially in ministry and with leadership, pastors and their wives are kind of lockstep. And I've seen some guys, they're just studs. They're not, they're not going to go down. They, they, can, they can develop uh, some sort of calluses when it comes to the way they eat and the way they move, but they, they move at such a pace. But sometimes the wife is the one that kind of breaks before the husband in regards to burnout, adrenal fatigue, stress, yeah. and diet. So I, I don't know what your experience is in that. Have you seen that? What advice would you have for somebody um, bringing their spouse along in this journey? Yeah, I mean, it's, what's funny is I get um, a lot of questions, for example, from um, wives asking how they can get their husbands to lose weight or yeah. slow down. Um, and I think, especially for women, it, there's a real, um, there's just this real tension of, you know, being um, the perfect mom and having everything together. And especially for a pastor's wife of, as people are looking at her and the expectations on her, um, and, and especially a lot of church planters, you know, they have young kids. And so they're in a really, they're in a chaotic stage of life, um, when it comes to, um, just what their kids need, um, what people in their church need, um, the expectations that they have on themselves. And so, um, some things that Katie and I have put into place is, um, you know, making sure that she has an outlet to be active, whatever that means for her to be active. Mm. Um, like she likes to run. I hate to run. Um, <laughs> and, and so, but making sure that she has, um, just time and space for that, making sure that she has a regular time and space for her to have. Um, one of the things we try to do on, um, one or two Saturdays a month is, for her to just have four hours that are just hers where mm. she can, she can go and sit at Starbucks if she wants. She can go hang out with some friends if she wants. It's not to run errands. It's not to get things done. It's just some space for her to, to get some clarity for her to get some quiet, um, for, for her to just kind of pull back and journal whatever she wants to do in those four hours. Um, and, and so I think those are just some practical things that, that, that husbands can just do, um, to love their wives because, um, one of the saddest things is if you, and, and you've seen this, if you don't take care of your marriage, you don't finish, mm. mm-hmm. like you don't get to the end, no matter how talented you are, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how many books you write, if right. your marriage falls apart, you, you don't finish. Um, and, and there's an enormous connection between how your home life is. I mean, Paul points this out all over in the New Testament, but there's an enormous connection between your marriage and your home life and your performance at work, whether you're in ministry or not. There's an enormous connection right. um, to those things. And so, um, you know, being able to think through, because, you know, the verses you talked about before of, you know, running the race, well, you know, 
Paul talks about, I finished in second Timothy. I, mm-hmm. I finished. And uh, honestly, I can't think of a better goal to have as a leader for your job, for your church, for your marriage to say, we finished. That's good. That's good. You know, we all, we see these couples, 86 years old, 89 years yeah. old, been married 70 years. It's such an awesome thing to see. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if your wife doesn't finish, then you don't finish. Yeah. So she's, she's got to finish as well. And so there's this element of not only are you taking care of yourself physically, mentally, spiritually, but you've also got to be caring for her and not just, yeah. not just spiritually, but you've also got to set an example for her, what it looks like to, to live out a healthy life. Yeah. You know, with relationship in regards to relationships, in regards to to eating and, and exercise and that sort of thing too. So, yeah. Well, and it's interesting too. I mean, if you look at leaders, the people around them, um, the people like on their staff, the boards that they work with, whether mm-hmm. they're a pastor or you know the leader of a company, um, the marriages and the bodies of the people around them begin to look like the leaders. Mm, that's good. So everybody, I mean. Leaders do model. This is what your marriage should look like. This is how you should treat your spouse. This is how you should talk about your spouse. Like, mm-hmm. here's a really quick example. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've sat in a sermon and I've heard a pastor put their wife down or tell a story that makes their wife look bad. Wow. And one of the things that, um, that Katie and I, my wife, we have a rule. Um, you never make fun of each other. You don't put each other down. I mean, you've watched it when you're out with couples and they're like, oh, you know, just railing on the other spouse yeah, and just watch them die. And a leader, especially a pastor, through through how they take care of their bodies or take care of their marriage, they're telling the people in their church, this is what's acceptable. This is what you should do. Follow me as I do this. And uh, and pastors just. We, we split those up and we just say, well, you know, I want people to have my prayer life or my, you know, theological knowledge mm-hmm. or whatever. But we also are passing on to them our marriage. And so like when I assess a church planner, I just tell them, hey, we're going to get when you plant a church, you're going to get hundreds of your marriage. Tell me why that's going to be a good thing. It's mm, good. That's good, man. I love this advice. I, I love the, the cohesiveness that needs to take place in the marriage and Man, I've I've sat in those too where you you know, he kinda of rags on the wife and, and you're you're kinda of looking over at her and she's just you know, squirming yeah. over there yep. and you know, you, you just can't be right. I you know, it goes both ways, we get it, yeah. but at the same time you've got you guys have gotta be, you know, living your life face to face, you know, so that yeah. me me and my wife have the same rule. It's like me we used to it's early in our marriage we'd struggle with, you know, oh, you know, we're ragging on each other, we're just friends. Yeah. But it's like, hey, we've graduated from, from friends. We're not friends <laughs> yeah. anymore. We're no. we're married, we're in a covenant. So you know, yeah. my wife to me is the biggest. She is she is the, the ultimate. When when I'm around with people, there's no 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 poor speech comes out of my mouth in regards to yeah. my wife. So it's huge, great advice. Yeah, well, too many too many couples, their love language to each other is sarcasm, and <laughs> it just it, it's destructive. It just oh, is. Oh man, that's brutal. Okay, so let's switch gears. We're we're getting towards the end of our time. I want to get real practical for anyone listening, especially if they're a leader or a pastor. Um, first talk to me a little bit about exercise, what some of the yeah. things you're doing, you know, and, and I know that there's almost a, a much bigger emphasis on exercise than there is for food, but for this sake, let's focus sure. on some of the things you're doing. I know you're doing CrossFit. And so what yeah. does a daily week look like for, for Josh in terms of exercise? Yeah. So I, um, I do CrossFit four days a week and, um, and, and for me, part of doing CrossFit was, was part of just 
the next step in our physical journey, um, wanting to learn how to exercise. Because one of the things that I that I love about CrossFit is there's this real emphasis on teaching you how to exercise correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, form. Um, you know, I know there's lots of CrossFit boxes that you know have terrible form and not good coaches, but um, you know, there's there's more that are really good and know what they're doing. And so, right. you know, just wanting to learn how to exercise, um, wanting to learn, and especially for my wife too, you know, one of the things that, you know, as, as you get older, you know, your, your bones just get more brittle, your muscles decrease. And so just trying to figure out, okay, how do we get ahead of that curve? How do we start doing some of those things? And, and so, so I work out four days a week. I'm lucky enough to work out with uh, the owner of the CrossFit box. So I get to do his personal workouts um, which are always insane and intense. Um, but it's also just another great environment for, um, just me to be on mission for Jesus. Um, yeah. cross has got a huge emphasis on community and family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's been amazing to see the doors that, that God's opened that way. Um, I, I do run once a week. Um, but it, that's not really for health. That's more of on Saturdays. I just run and I listen through, um, the worship set that's going to be played at our church the next day and just think through my sermon. It's just kind of a way to clear my head and, and just pray through my notes and kind of focus on, on the coming day. And now that I'm getting older, I'm doing a lot more, uh, just mobility. <laughs> and I know you're, you just had an episode recently just about mobility and, mm-hmm. um, and that's huge. I mean, I, if you're, if you're not stretching on a regular basis, if you're not doing some of those things, um, it, it's not going to pay off in the end. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so that's just becoming a really big, um, a big part of my week as well of just that stretching yoga, mobility, mm-hmm. um, doing some of those things. And so that's kind of like our normal rhythm for things. So I work out Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday and Friday. Um, it, it's just the rhythm that I'm in now. That's good. I, I think it was big what you said about to the, the box or the CrossFit boxes, you know, there, any good CrossFit box will have a, a way to integrate you in if you've never done it yeah. or you're kind of new to it. And so don't be intimidating if you're, you know, new to working out or Olympic lifting or weightlifting and you're kind of nervous about it and you, you, you're yeah. looking for a way to get started. Finding a good CrossFit box is actually a good way to get started working out, right? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And what's the name of your coach in the, in the CrossFit gym you go to? Let's shout these guys out so we can. Yeah, so we go to GTX in okay. Tucson. So Sean Hazelton, um, he's probably got another shot at the uh, – regionals this year for the open and so it's exciting to watch it's it's insane when you go to a crossfit competition and watch what some of these some of these guys can do yeah. and women can do it's it's nuts <laughs> no doubt man yeah my, our guy uh tommy hackenbrook is a yeah. guy from ute crossfit up here i go to his gym good friend of my old trainer dan cirillo who is up in old former navy seal and the whole deal these guys man what they do what they can do they're special he's been in the games yeah. i think seven eight times something like that so um, again, finding a good, there's good CrossFit gyms almost everywhere now. So yeah. getting plugged into one of those could be huge. Okay. Yeah. So we're getting to the end of our time. Give me, you know, as you're through your book, you know, a pastor's listening to this, maybe a young leader, maybe a guy's director level in his company working his way up. What are one or two or three things, man, they can do just health wise, whether spiritually, emotionally, yeah. physically that they can do that can, that can be actionable that they can do this week that can help them begin the process of getting, you know, more healthy. Yeah. I think one is just making the goal that you're going to finish, you know, mm-hmm. just make the goal that you're, that you're going to decide to finish. You're not going to burn out. And 
you know, you're not going to, you're not going to eat. So you have a heart attack when you're 40, um, you know, just decide you're not going to do that. And, and that's going to make some enormous impacts on, on your schedule, on, um, how much fun you have. You know, I think for pastors, get a hobby leaders. Most, most leaders have no hobby. If you ask pastors, what do they do for fun? They have no idea. They read books for fun. And I mean, pastors and leaders make terrible friends, make some friends. I mean, most, most leaders have no friends. Pastors especially don't have friends. They don't know how to shut church off. They don't know how to stop thinking about work. Um, and so those are some things that I think are really crucial, um, to getting to the end, you know, some things when it comes to, to food and health, um, you know, like I said, you know, going to a restaurant, know what, know what you're going to eat before you get there. Um, you know, understanding what caffeine does to your body. I mean, I know some people will tell me, oh, I drink a cup of coffee before I go to bed and it doesn't do anything to me and, you know, I can sleep. And I'm like, there's not one scientific thing that says that's true. Yeah. And so, you know, just understanding what caffeine does to your body, mm-hmm. um, you know, cutting back on that. I think most pastors, if they cut back on their caffeine, they'd probably sleep a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was really hard for me when I asked, I asked my wife the question, I just said, Hey, do you feel like I'm, I'm doing a good job of sleeping? And she goes, no, no, you're not. Mm. Um, and, and that was, that was hard for me about eight years ago, um, to realize that I am really harming our family and my job because I'm not sleeping well. So I don't, yeah. I can't give the best energy to what God's called me to. Um, and that's a stewardship thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're able to give the best energy, so you know, getting a good night's sleep. I mean, the, the, the horrible thing, the worst thing about health burnout, food, exercise, any of that. The worst thing is everybody knows exactly what to do and no one does it. Yeah. That's good. I mean, ev- everyone knows. <laughs> so like good. when people say, Oh, well, how'd you lose 130 pounds? I'm like, I started moving and I changed how I ate and they're like, Oh, hmm. <laughs> so exactly what I would have to do. Yep. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, but something comes up and then, you know, yeah. again, there's the, the, the men's breakfast with the donuts yeah. and I, you know, I mean, you know, so like with exercise. So when I started to, um, to bike and mm-hmm. even now today, um, exercise is on my calendar. That's it good. is on my calendar. It is the next thing that I do so that when I did not feel like going to get on the bike, it was raining. Oh, you know, it's raining. So I can't take my 25 mile bike ride today. You know, it's raining out. No, I took it because it was 5 PM. That was the next thing I was doing. Um, and to just put it on your calendar. Um, if you know, I always tell people you have all the time you need to do everything you want to do. Exactly. I mean, you binged on Netflix, you have all the time you need. So I, I, I got to tell this story real quick. So I just had somebody tell me, um, I, I ran these. I run these Spartan races around the country, and I, okay. I was running a Spartan race. And I asked somebody, I said, "Man, you got to join me." Former athlete, college athlete, yeah, a while ago, but still. And they said, "Man, I just don't have time, man. I'm working hard." And they kind of got a little upset at me, like, "Man, you just, you know, a little bit defensive." You know, they'll be listening to this; they'll know who they are. So they're, you know, they're being a little <laughs> defensive. And uh, and then two days later, uh, I'm sitting in their living room, and his his wife looks at him and says, "Man, wasn't that awesome watching the Never Ending Story last night? It's been a while." <laughs> And I look at him. I said, "You don't have time to work out and train for for a, for a race, but you got time to rewatch the Never Ending Story." Are you kidding me? So you, the, at the end of the day, you make oh, time. Man. You make yep. the time for what you want to do. Yeah, you do. Yep. You you've got the time. So, yeah. and real quick, you touched on something that, that's really interesting to me too about pastors and leaders making friends and 
It almost yeah. seems like to me, I love your comment on this. So many pastors spend so much time trying to manufacture relationships and community in their churches or within their organizations, but they don't ever have an outlet for themselves. You find this yeah. happening? Oh yeah. I mean, pastors by and large are the loneliest people in their church and a mm. pastor's wife is even lonelier. Mm. Um, they don't have a safe place to talk to. They don't have safe people to talk to. Yeah. They don't have anywhere to share their frustrations. I mean, how do you, how do you share your frustration as a pastor when you get mad at your elders or, um, somebody stabs your wife in the back? Yeah. Um, you know, every pastor and his wife has had this happen where they shared a prayer request with someone. They said, Hey, you know, we're struggling with this in our marriage and it's spread everywhere. And so pastors and their wives, um, they just learn, you know, to make it to the end, I need to protect myself and I need to not get close to anybody. But what that does is it actually keeps you from getting to the end. Mm. And so, um, you have to make friends. And for pastors, I think some of the best friends they can make are other pastors, whether that's in their city or somewhere else. You know, I have a lot of friends um, within Acts 29 who I see, you know, three, four or five times a year. They're in different parts of the Western United States, you know, and um, and they're just a lifeline. Um, it's so crucial for a pastor and his wife to have somebody that they can talk to people and even people they can have fun with. And so mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, um, one of the things that I did was on the advice of one of my mentors is I asked one of our elders who I was really, really close friends with. And I just said, you know, Hey, a real ministry that you can do to our church is to, um, is to just continue as a friend to me and my wife, him and, um, we're really good friends as couples. And I just said, you know, what if instead of being an elder, you were just our friends, you were, we were friends. We just hung out. We had, we can turn to you. We can pray with you. Um, and that's your ministry to our church. And it's a crucial ministry. And, but it means you'll never be an elder. It means you'll never like, you'll never be somebody who oversees me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he said, you know, man, I would, I would love to do that. I'd love to just be your friend. And that's a hard thing for some pastors to do, but there might be somebody in your church that you can turn to and just say, Hey, you know what? The best ministry you can do to our church is to just be my friend and not, not become an elder, not move on the leadership track to plant a church. Um, but to just be friends and have community. Um, cause pastors know how to make it for other people. They just don't know how to make it for themselves. Yeah. Man, that's such good advice. You know, there's, there's this disconnect because you're all, like, like I said, you're always trying to build something for your church. And so when it's a person, you're going, how does this person fit into my ministry or my yeah. organization? How can I fit them in? And, and just telling a couple or two to say, man, listen, you're talented. You're a great leader. I would rather just be able to go watch the UFC fight or football game yeah. with you and, and have dinner and be able to just vent if I need to, without having to worry about, am I Am I disrupting the flow of my ministry? Yeah. That's, that's such good advice, Josh. Yeah. I, I'm glad you're out there doing this for people. I'm sure the people that you're coaching are glad as well. So, um, but yeah. thanks. So we're at the end of our time. Tell the, the people listening or watching, you know, where they can, can hear more about you and, and where they can get your book. Yeah. So you get my book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, any of those places. Um, you know, you can check out my blog at Joshua Reich dot org. Um, Joshua Reich on Twitter would love to connect with you. If there's a way that I can, um, just help you, um, and just help you get on track with health or avoiding burnout. Um, would love to do that. I write a lot about health and leadership and and marriage and just how to make it to the end. And so that's really just the focus of what I talk about and what I write about. So if there's a way I can help uh, any of your listeners would love to be able to do that. Awesome. I'm going to link all that in the show notes. So if you're listening or watching for sure, check that out. You can hear more about Josh and I recommend jumping on his, uh, 
his email list as well. I get all his blogs right to my email. So super, super awesome for me to just click in and, and awesome. get a little bit, get filled up, uh, you know, early in the morning or whenever the email pops out. So Josh, man, thanks for your time. I appreciate it, man. Love to have you back on soon. Awesome. Thanks, Eddie.